I will be reading from James 5:13 through 6. Is anyone among you suffering? Then be must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, and anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offering in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he was committed sin, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Thank you, Landon. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11. Uh, there was a few weeks ago I, I mentioned that I we put some Bible studies that I use uh, from the book of Luke there in the back. Someone doesn't know God and you just want to sit down with them or give those Bible studies to them. Uh, I put 20 copies back there and they were gone last week. And so we made more. There's more back there. You're welcome to pass those out. If you want to sit down with somebody and you want some coaching on how to do that, I can I can do that with you. But it's just a great way to get the, the scriptures of God and the story of Jesus into the hands of people. And so that's, uh, that's out there and available. And uh, we're going to, again, be in Luke 11. And, but I just wanted to mention, last week it was a, a great time together. Uh, lots of guests. It was, it was a, just, a, a, again, a great time together. But something I noticed, and someone brought this up, is um, that the Landon led a Christmas song, and then this week we have snow on the ground again. And so did you intend that, Landon? Was that the plan? That, that was that, okay. You planned that. Okay. All right. Well, I just wanted to know, just so we got got that out there, so everybody knows. But yeah, well done, Landon. Winter's hanging on just a little bit, just a little bit longer. I remember when I was, uh, I believe I was a junior in high school when this happened. Uh, Libby High School tennis team uh, traveled to Whitefish to play, and you know, a little tidbit of information. There was for, for a long story of, of how this happened. But Libby was, was a powerhouse in tennis during that era because there was this old logger family that one of them decided that he wanted to play tennis and then taught the community to play tennis. And so there was all these loggers' kids that played tennis. And we would go to Whitefish and thump up on Whitefish and thump up on people all over the place. And a lot of people that I grew up with played Division One tennis. And it's just kind of an amazing, strange deal for a while there. But I remember we went to Whitefish, and there was one kid in Whitefish that was phenomenal. And I was playing the number two player on the team that year. And so I would play the other team's number two player whenever we had a duel. And I remember what happened is, is our number one player was going to go up against this kid from Whitefish and said, I don't want to do this. This guy is going to cream me. He's going to thump me. I do not want to do this. And he kind of threw a fit. And the coach, I can imagine, trying to figure out what he's going to do with this, said, all right, what are we going to do here, team? And I said, I'll play him. I'll play him. That sounds great. I'm in. And I remember what the coach said to me. He said, Chris, playing guys like this is really important because you're going to find out where you need to be at some point. And uh, this guy had been one of the top-ranked players in, in all the Intermountain Division. If you start in Montana, take all those states with, with the mountains in them, go all the way to Mexico, he was one of the top-ranked players in that whole region during this time period. And I went up against him. He was very kind. It wasn't a cocky guy at all, very kind. And if you know tennis scores... We were done in about 45 minutes, and I lost 6-0, 6-0. 
That's not very good from my part at all. Didn't go very well. Didn't pan out. But I remember what the coach told me, and I thought about it all throughout the match. And I gave him some games where we duked it out a little bit. But in the end, he was very dominant, strong player. And we, we finished it up, and, and he said, hey, thanks for playing. He's just very kind, kind guy. But I remember thinking, man, I've never seen the ball jump that direction. I've never seen the ball move that direction or that fast in my life. And I, in all the years that I played college, I don't know that I ever came up against anybody that was better than him. Maybe one time, but that guy was phenomenal. But playing against him, I, I felt like I was overmatched. I was completely out of my element, but I learned some things that were very, very, very important that I took with me from that match. And so Jesus, we're going to see the disciples ask him a very important question today. They ask him, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? Because in Luke, up to this point in time, and I'm going to run through some of these, Jesus has demonstrated by example that he prays a lot. We see that when Jesus is baptized, it says when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was praying. Heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. So right as soon as Jesus came out of the water of being baptized, he prays right there in front of everyone. We see here that Jesus, it says, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He did this on a regular basis. That was his custom. In chapter 6, it says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And then he appoints his twelve apostles. But you can imagine the apostles there thinking, where did Jesus go? Oh, he's going to pray. That's what he does sometimes. He goes off by himself in order to pray. In Luke chapter 6, here a little further down, it says, But I say to you who are listening, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. What you're supposed to do when people mistreat you is pray for them. He shows that example there. He continues on saying, once when Jesus is praying in private and his disciples are with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? And that's when Peter answers that, personally, I understand that you are the Christ. That's in the middle of a, a time of prayer. In Luke chapter 9, we see this about eight days after that. He takes Peter and John and James and he goes up on the mountain and it says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. And so during the transfiguration or leading up to it, this is a time of prayer that Jesus has with his disciples. There are a few of them. And so here we get to Luke chapter 11. As the disciples have watched and they've experienced and they have seen him pray over and over, have prayed with him, one of the disciples says, Lord, will you teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples? You can imagine, as they've watched him over and over again, they've been part of prayer sessions with him, but they've watched him go off by himself to pray. They're saying, would you tell us, will you tell us what you're doing? Help us to understand, because you are way up there somehow, and we're way down here, and we need to understand, we want to grow, and we want to know what this is all about and what you're doing. And so Jesus, in uh, chapter Luke, Luke chapter 11, I'll start in verse 2, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now when you read that, your first response might be, wait a minute here, there's some stuff that's missing from this prayer, right? How many of you thought that immediately? Yep, okay. Because if you go to Matthew, you see the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gives. There's some other things that are mentioned there that are not mentioned here in Luke. Okay. So when Jesus... This isn't the only time his disciples ask him how to pray or he taught people how to pray. 
And so there's different details left out at different times, different things included. But in Luke, this is what he tells them here. And so what he says is, okay, for content, this is the, these are the types of things that you need to be praying for. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So Jesus starts with how we approach God. And this is, you don't see a whole lot in the Old Testament. Very rarely do you see this. But Jesus says, when you approach God, call him Father. This is a familiar term. This is a family term. So God is not this God that is out there somewhere that is, that, that is beyond our, our words and beyond, um, beyond wanting to, to have any type of relationship with us. This God is a God that, that really wants us to be part of his family. That's who this God is. So start there. Know who you're praying to. This God that loves you. This God that cares for you. This God that wants the best for you. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Pray for God's name to be honored. That's what hallowed means, holy. Pray for God's name to be honored and for his kingdom to continue to expand. And we see that from the time that Jesus chose his 12 apostles to the time of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that Jesus, God's kingdom, has continued to expand all over the world. And it's continuing to do that. And Jesus shows an example. Is that something you continue to pray for? Is God's kingdom to continue to expand out? And we're a part of that now. Because people, our predecessors, our ancestors, spiritual people before us, cared enough to share the message with somebody, and that's how we have the message of Jesus continuing to live in us now. He says, give us each day our daily bread. Prayers for just basic sustenance and survival. Go to Proverbs chapter 30. I think this is important to note here, and there's, there's uh, more than meets the eye in what Jesus says here. Because... Um, I had a friend here a while back, and he was really funny. He's a funny guy. But what he said was, I know that being wealthy causes all sorts of spiritual problems and temptation, but I would just like to experience that for myself, you know, just to see. You know, that, and he was joking, but, but he was talking about, you know, it would be nice to be a little better off than I am financially. But look at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7. Says, two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me, and give me neither poverty nor riches, but only but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Okay, there's a lot of just like the rest of the Proverbs, there's wisdom there. And sometimes we can pray for things that ultimately we're saying Man, God, would you give me some poison? I would love some poison. We pray for things that are not going to be good for us spiritually. And this writer here in the Proverbs says something I think it's probably a good prayer for us. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but help me have just what I need. You know what that is. You know how much that is. And that's what I pray for. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. That is something that is foundational to Christian life, is if we don't forgive one another, we don't forgive others, then we cannot be disciples of God. That's very simple here. And so that's part of our prayers, is being people who are forgiving. And lead us not into temptation. In other words, keep temptation far away from me. It's hard to sin when there's no temptation. And so if temptation is removed from our life, to some extent, then, uh, then it's, it's a lot easier, it's a lot better to walk uh, spiritually. And those are the things that Jesus tells his disciples. These are the things that you pray for. This is the content. But he goes further, teaches them some more. Let's go ahead and, and look at verse 5. And Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, 
And you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey. He has come to me and I have no food to offer him. We all know someone like that, don't we? Yep, here it is. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though... Uh, He will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship. Yet because of your shameless audacity or because of your perseverance, he will surely get up and give you as much as you So Jesus shares here that we are to pray for our part, pray with a lot of perseverance. Okay, now when you read this parable, there's a tendency maybe for some of us to say, wait a minute, does that mean that God is sitting up there in heaven uncaring and we just have to be, be so annoying and persistent that finally he hears us and finally gets out of bed? Don't believe that's the point here. The point is, the emphasis should be placed on the, on the persistence and the perseverance, is that when we pray, continue to pray and continue to pray and continue to pray and continue to pray. And I know that one question that I wrestle with when I come face to face with this teaching of Jesus is, well, wait a minute, Jesus. If you know already that you're going to answer my prayer, why don't you answers come quickly? Okay, for those of us who have been Christians for a while, we understand that some answers from God come quickly, don't they? Boy, they come quickly. And others, it seems like those answers take time or maybe we don't know if they're answered or not. But here's a couple of things I ran across that I found helpful this week, just in my own personal journey. Is that why does God not answer us immediately at times? Number one, the best gifts from God take time. I can get that. I can understand that. Talking about when I played tennis back years ago, that takes time to learn how to strike the ball, how to serve, how to, how to move on the court, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't just come instantly. It takes time. And the greatest gifts of God are those that are not given to us immediately or instantly, but they're things that we pray for continually over time, and God continues to work in us and shape us. Um, there's a, I've coached soccer for years, and, and I've, there's a team that I'm coaching right now. And we had our first game a few weeks ago, and... It was, when, when we first started, the, the team had never played before. By the end of the game, they were a totally different team, how they were approaching and how they were passing and all that kind of stuff. And by the end of the season, they'll be a different team altogether. It just takes time. The best gifts that we have from God take time. Number two, God knows the best time. Uh, think about this. The Proverbs talk about a, uh, when an inheritance is given too early, it is a curse. Hey, sometimes timing is very, very important in, uh, in how God answers our prayers. There's times where we pray for things that God knows very well that if he gives this to us now, that it's going to be destructive for us. But ten years from now, that answer is going to come, and it's going to come in ways that we could never imagine. God knows timing much more than us. And number three, much is learned in the process of asking. There is something, a present that my wife gave me here a while back, that is, it's, it's in our wall. Uh, It is a a picture that has a bicycle on it, and it says, the destination is the journey. And I love that quote, because sometimes in life, my tendency is to think, okay, I've got to do this, conquer this, okay, go to the next thing, conquer that, okay, here I hit the check marks and just walk through life that way. But there's something about learning that the journey is the destination, in that sometimes we continue to seek God's guidance and we continue to approach God that way, 
The journey of doing that is the destination. And what we learn through that process is something that we could never learn any other way. And so let me read those again if you're writing them down in your church book, in your church notes. Why doesn't God respond immediately? Number one, God's gifts, best gifts take time. Number two, God knows the best times to answer our prayers. And number three, much is learned in the process of asking. Those are things that I found, uh, found very helpful. But our job, no matter what, is to continue to be persistent, continue to ask, continue to approach God and, and reach out. Jesus continues his teaching. Look at verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Exclamation point. Hey, when Jesus talks about asking and seeking and knocking and pursuing God that way, I believe what he's not talking about is, hey, God, will you do this for me? Will you do this for me? Will you do this for me? So I think when we approach God that way, he sits up there and thinks, ah, man, they're not getting it. They're not praying for the things that, are, that I would pray for. They're not praying for the things that I want them to pray for. They're praying for things that will make maybe their life a little more comfortable, which is not going to be good for them right now. Maybe it's going to, to make them complacent, and that's not very good. But just think about this. If we ask God and we approach him this way, for things that matter for eternity, the things that he told us to pray about, God, I pray that I'm uh, just more effective in serving others, that uh, you give me humility and you're able to help me love my enemies that's so hard for me and help me to rejoice when times of suffering comes and I pray that you fill me with your fruit of the Spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that you fill me with spiritual knowledge as I learn along the way and help me to be a quick learner and not be uh, resistant to your teaching. And make me a person that is wise and just content with wherever I am in life. If we pray for those things, what do you think God's going to do? James says God gives wisdom to anyone who asks for it without finding fault. Those are the things that God is, is teaching us. That's what Jesus is teaching his disciples. You want to pray? I'll teach you to pray. Pray for stuff that really matters. And God ways that you could never, ever imagine. And he gives that other example that about giving a, a scorpion and a snake and, and that. There was a Saturday night at the Crook's house when we, we had, the kids and I drank tea together before we were going to bed last night. And oftentimes I'll read the scripture that I'm going to be preaching on. And I got to that section about um, who of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake, or asks for bread, will give him a scorpion. There was a, it was interesting that one of my kids, and I won't tell you wh which one, but Sarah said, boy, that sounds like something you would do, Dad. <laughs> Yeah, and so I thought, well, okay, yeah, exactly. That there's we have several fake snakes around our house that get put in places, you know, tucked in beds and all that kind of thing. But it's um, you see what Jesus's point here is, and I'll give you an example. There was someone uh, in in Libby, not a part of the church, but someone that I I knew the family growing up, and the dad decided it would be really funny. And what he was going to do with his kids is he taught them the wrong colors before they went to kindergarten. And before, after I got over my initial chuckling, okay, I thought, that dad is setting his kids up to distrust him. 
and to to struggle. And <laughs> that's not a very good. That's kind of bad. Hey, there's there's all sorts of uh, examples that we can go through that we see in the newspaper that we hear in our neighborhoods of fathers who do things in order to make their kids not trust them. And that's the point here, is that there is a. I think that's, that's our tendency to approach God that way is, boy, I don't know if I want to ask God for things because I don't know if he's going to understand. He's going to give me something worse. Like I've talked about before, I've heard people, I've heard spiritual people in spiritual roles say, do not pray for patience because God will give it to you. Don't pray for patience ever. Do you think God can't handle that? Do you think God can't understand that? God can walk us through. God's going to help us have patience if we admit it to him and we, we ask for patience. I think we get in trouble is when we say, I'm not going to pray for patience because God might give it to me. <laughs> well, this guy down there sure doesn't understand me. I'm going, to, I'm going to have to work on this guy a little bit. But if we, as parents, know how to give good gifts to our children, then how much more does God, up there, who knows everything, know how to give good gifts? And he mentions specifically the Holy Spirit. And the people that would have been there listening at this point in time would have understood, wait a minute, this is the Holy Spirit that, that David had, that Saul had, that Moses had in the Old Testament, this Holy Spirit that changed and transformed people, allowed them to become someone different, allowed them to conquer sin in their life that they would have never been able to do before and lead people and provide an example that was impossible before. That's what Jesus is offering here. The greatest gift of all is God himself coming to live within us to help guide us and transform us into someone that is totally different. And when we finally give up our... We're finally willing to say, all right, God, everything I have is yours, everything, and I'm totally in, then it releases God to work to change us in ways that we could never imagine. Powerful stuff that Jesus is offering here. And so when I look at this for us, I know that... um, the church here is full of prayer warriors that pray day in, day out. And I hope that we continue to be people, and, and hopefully from coming face-to-face with the message this week, and I know for oftentimes preaching is just me working my own stuff out in front of all of you. Now, that's how it works. But I'm convicted that it's important that prayer should be every day the center of my life somehow. And that I set times aside to pray because... The promise is that God works powerfully from those times. To pray and to also pray continually, as Paul tells the Thessalonians, pray in in everything. Invite God into every aspect of our life. So our life is a prayer to God. In, day out. And not only that, but pray for things that really matter. Is take those times to be reflective and say, God, I want to be the one that you want me to be. I'm willing to give everything to you. I'm all in. Transform me, because I know in that is where I find peace and joy and all of these fruit of the Spirit, and I start producing those more and more. And my prayer is that as all of us go on in life, that we look more and more like this. I think it's appropriate that we finish the lesson today. Let's pray through this together. Father, we know that you are, are so good that we pray that your name is holy that people recognize it that way, and that your kingdom and your people just continue to expand. And, and, um, and, and the, the friends that we have, the people that are family members that are not a part of your, 
your church here and, and uh, the people that we go to school with or anybody around us. We pray that, that your kingdom comes into their hearts and that you can use us to do that. We pray that you give us enough. And we pray that we content, we're content with whatever you give us in this life. We pray that you forgive our sins and help us to be people that are forgiving with the people around us and keep temptation far away. We pray as we uh, uh, walk in your ways day in, day out, that you can empower us with your Holy Spirit to transform us, to look who you want us to be. And for each of us as individuals, not to try to be someone we're not, but just embrace the way that you've created us and find those gifts and expand and, and, and grow them and, uh, and live in peace with our, our neighbors. And we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like prayers to the church or you would like, uh, the elders are waiting in the back, if you'd like to become.